Blog Talk Radio. Now, Dr. Deborah Carlin, your partner in excellence, in conversation with Richard Flint, the man who wrote the book on human behavior, talking about approaching our negative environment in this world with courage, confidence, a positive mindset, and definitely no apologies. None whatsoever. This is half of the hosting team. This is Dr. Deb Carlin, and I am here with the very esteemed Dr. Reverend Mr. Wonderful Richard Flint. Good morning. Morning. Doing something I don't normally do, drinking some Pepsi. I normally love to touch soda, but this morning I need the kicker. You want somebody to kick you? It's not going to be you. <laughs> Yeah, it was yeah, it was a leg exercise we used to have to do as kids. Our yeah. teachers would tell us, you know, kick, kick. Now the better the better kick is is to walk and kick straight out forward, kick and yeah. kick. Then and you fall back and hit your head. No, never. So how, was your, how was your Easter? My Easter was um, lovely. I I love the I love Holy Week. Um, I like the opportunity, no matter what faith you are, to think about gratitude, extreme gratitude for life overall and life in general, and then your own life, my own life, and everything that my life has been. And then I I appreciate religiously, as a Catholic, a reasonable Catholic, the the whole idea of... um, the revitalization, the the restoration, the the peace that comes with that, and and another opportunity, and then on on Easter Sunday was April fourth, which was the memorial of my mother's passing, and it's been um, since two thousand and nine. So I've kind of gotten used to the idea that she and my dad are together in heaven floating around somewhere, probably behind you. Yeah, I can I can see it back there. They're just <laughs> see that little star over my right shoulder way back there? That's them looking at us. That's great. And then um so I had cousins over and, and it was lovely and uh we had a great time and I made delicious food and they brought some delicious things and we had great conversation. Then we went for a walk on the beach and we just enjoyed relaxing together in one another's company. And then today, let's see, Monday, Easter Monday, uh, just a beautiful day of work and doing what I do. And then today, bada bing, bada bang, happy birthday, Dr. Deb Carlin. It all started 23 years ago today when I was born. Just a mere baby. We we always tell the truth. (laughs) Actually, this is what's really funny. I'm 65 today. Yo! Born April 6, 1956. So are you 65 years old or 65 years young? I am 65 years glorious. 
Are you 65 years old or 65 years young? <laughs> Use my words. It's my birthday. You can't force me to do anything. <laughs> I'll tell you what, that I knew that you would do this to me. You know, the, when people talk about old, oh, we're getting old, all of this is happening because we're getting old, we're getting old. Like, what are you talking about? I don't understand that concept. And by the way, I want you to stop saying things like that. Don't talk that way. Don't talk that way. Because when you talk that way, your mind hears you. You hear what you say. So stop. You know, be vibrant and alive and quit with the negative images in your head. I mean, come on. So are you 65 years old or 65 years young today? I already told you. I'm on young. Okay. <laughs> you need to learn. You're going to do one of your little rants to define and, and expand upon what I, I asked. That's a simple question. I'm 65 years young. I'm 65 years old because that's, you know, that's how they say it. How old are you? I'm 65. And then, you know, I, oh, that's so old. But I don't have anybody tell me that I seem old. I have people tell me I seem really young. <laughs> well, you know, here's the thing that I think we lose sight of. Yes. Age is a number. Yeah. Okay. I just gave the number. Yeah. But, but life is not about a number until you make it about a number. It's about a mindset. It's about everything in your mind. Absolutely. Your mind is the boss. Do you listen to the boss? Yeah, I trained the boss. Oh. So you always listen to the boss? I'm always bossing the boss. <laughs> I'm trying to boss that boss in there. Hey, don't go don't go south. Go go, you know, be optimistic, be positive, be creative. And when you feel when you feel a certain element of sadness, all right, allow yourself the experience of that, but then come back through into joyfulness and gratitude. You know, once you start with the gratitude, you can't help but be happy. You just can't help it. So when you're bossing the boss, are you living from your emotions up? Oh, now, Richard, we've had to have this conversation before. I'm just here to ask questions. Yeah, right. You're here. You're here as the provocateur. <laughs> what do you think? I'm a stranger on this show. Um, we, you know, the argument has always been: is it heart or is it mind? Well, I want to tell you what I invented this last week. We have our magnificent mind, and we have our our absolutely warm, open, resilient heart, and then. We have our intuitive tummy, and we need to blend the thing together, all of us together. And so we reacting. There's reactions. So I agree with you. I think we have our mind, we have our emotions, and we have the 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 physical part of us. And so many times, Deb, I think we forget that sometimes the totalness of our makeup is smarter than we are. Because I think our mind, our emotions, and our, our physicalness work to protect us from destroying ourselves. Uh, I mean, I don't know if you've ever been here, but then the days that, you know, I am so physically worn out mm-hmm. that uh, mentally I have a headache. Aww. 
are they're days that I'm so emotionally drained that physically I don't have any energy. Yeah, I, that I can identify with. Not 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 the headache, but but I can absolutely um, uh, identify with and attest to the idea of the, the exhaust, just physical tired. And when you're physically tired, go lay down. Quit being upright. Go lay down. Take a nap. What if, you, what if you're walking down the street and just get real physically tired? You just lay down on the street. No. What are you out walking for if you're tired? Uh, to try to recoup energy that I don't have. Oh, well, then that's just silly. You're not listening to your intuitive tummy that tells you don't go. Stay well, home. I think, I think, and you may not agree with this, but you can be wrong once. Uh, <laughs> I, I think the, the physical side of us is the last resort. I think sometimes if if we don't listen to our mind, yeah, and we go against it, and we don't listen to our emotions, we go against it, and we pit this conflict uh, against our own self because most of our conflict is self-induced. I think sometimes that's when your body steps in and says, "You know what? I've had enough of you. You're going to be sick." Of course. And I, I think that the physical side of us many times, what we're going through physically, is a manifestation of what we're going through mentally and emotionally. Okay. Now, you do understand who you're talking to here, right? Dr. Deb Carlin, doctor of psychology, mind-body medicine practitioner. Take a well, note. Talk to me, oh, 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 when I, what I just said. when I yes when I when I interview physicians or when I have one of my physician associates on a platform with me or in an interview with me and I say okay when people come to see you in your office how many times when they come in is there a physical component is there a psychological emotional component to their physical complaint you know what number they give me one. Hundred, 100% of the time. Disease, the word disease comes from the reality of being uncomfortable, dis-ease. So when you're uncomfortable in your mind, of course, you know, your, your mind infiltrates your whole body and your thoughts drive everything, including what's going on in your heart and you're an intuitive tummy. And then you you respond, you know, for every thought there's an emotion and vice versa. And there's neurotransmitters that get released into our body. So psychoneuroendocrinology and psychoneuroimmunology. And we do. We make ourselves sick or we make ourselves healthy. So Yes. My my mind is talking to me. Okay. And my emotions do not want to listen to my mind. Okay. Well they so, are anyway. Let me finish. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, I'm gonna have, I gotta start over now. <laughs> my mind is talking to me. My emotions do not want to listen. Okay. So when I have that that discord between the two, and the two create their own conflict, and my emotions win, then I'm actually reacting to, not responding to. But if my mind and my emotions are talking and my emotions agree, then what I do is I don't react. I respond to what's going on. There you go. So, is that true? Do you agree with that? Sure. 
You actually agree with me? Well, in the moment. <laughs> I was expecting that. <laughs> the way you teed it up. No, I think what you say makes a lot of sense. And as a matter of fact, isn't it interesting in the work that we do when we're educating people and, and leading people and they come to us and there's conflict and they're trying to figure out, well, where does it come from? Well, you know, I know where it comes from. It's from that other person sitting next to me here. They're wrong, and I'm right. And they don't start thinking about, well, is it in my mind? Is it in my heart? What's my tummy telling me? Right? The blame right. game. So then in reality, does the majority of conflict come from ourselves? But because we don't want to face it, then we externalize it through somebody towards someone else? Absolutely. 100%. I'm right again. I get another tick mark. Everybody had one so far today. So I'm going to give myself another tick mark because I was right again. So now I'm two. I'm up two. It's my birthday. Why don't you make them stars? I've given I've you. I've, I've used one of these tick marks for me. Okay. Well, I've given you two gold stars. And we'll just paste them on that wall behind you where you've got the whole universe showing. Well, but life is a universe, right? Life is the universe, right. And we have a whole universe right inside of our head. But why is it that if God created us, uh, I believe, okay, let me change that because that puts a negative there. Yep. God created us to be intelligent. He gave us a mind uh, to use so that we can have a life of calmness, a life filled with clarity, and a life filled with confidence. But yet, so many times we take what was and is the, the plan that God has for us, mm-hmm. and we take that plan and we just go, I'm not going to listen. So what I do then is I, I, I take the, the plan and I create my own, and then I wonder why I have so much conflict. Well, do you want to know? You ever had a time that you argued with yourself and wound up and not wound up not listening to what you knew you needed to do? Oh gosh, yes. I can write a whole. I know you're you're not perfect, so that's the reason (laughs) continues. Well, you know why all this happens. I mean, we were created by some deity who is, you know, magical and ever knowing and all powerful and exquisite, right? But we were created just as human beings, you know, we're just fractional parts of our creator. So we're fractional comparison to that kind of greatness. So in the human condition, the beauty of the human condition is the imperfection of it, the imperfection of all of us, because look at what happens because of what we just said and the ways we get into conflict and the ways that we get into trouble, we, we need each other. It drives us to one another. And isn't that a wonderful thing? We're here to help each other, to know each other, to like each other, to love one another, to escort one another through turbulent times and then enjoy happy times, to to face the challenges on the road of life and to say, okay, this is where we're at. Now, what is it that we can do about this thing? What would you like to do about this thing? Like, what do you want to do? What do you want me to do, Richard Flint, when you're in trouble? What would you like me to do for you? Slap me. Wake me up. <laughs> but you, you said something. You said something interesting. So two points. Wait. Uh, <clears throat> wait. Say it again. Say it again. 
I said something interesting. Two points. So you've got two points so far. Now I'm going to get two points. All right. Rock and roll. Keep going. Oh, this could get us in real trouble, but it's okay. Oh. <laughs> we'll have a conflict. Do you believe that the Bible is the word of God given down to man? Oh, I don't know. I don't spend much time worrying about it. I think there's some beautiful things in there. I'm not asking you to worry. I'm just asking a question. I don't know. I mean, that's what I've been taught. I don't know. But you have to have, you either have a belief or a disbelief. There's no I don't know. It's either a belief or a disbelief. I, I choose to believe. We either believe or we don't believe, and then we build our foundation off of which one of those we choose. I, I choose to believe. Okay. I do, too. And I, I think when the Bible talks about that we were created in God's image, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, I believe that that, that is about uh, we're created with a free will. We get to choose. Yeah. And... Every aspect of our life uh, involves the choices that we make. Indeed. And I think there are days in our life that we get up and decide, I'm going to be absolutely dumb today and do what I want to do. (laughs) I mean, you've done that, haven't you? No, I don't say that. I would never use that line when addressing myself. No. <laughs> what word would you use this? <laughs> today I think I think today I'm just going to I'm just going to follow my creative ideas. <laughs> so if you, if if you know that you have that creative side and you choose not to do it, isn't that being dumb? No, sometimes that creative explorative side is what's got me in trouble. And then later I have to say, oh, for God's sakes, what in the world was I thinking? Ah, interesting. Because I think your creative side is where you have to go to trust yourself. Mm-hmm. And when you're in a creative mode or a creative space, that's when you are willing to take a risk and you're willing to step forward without looking over your shoulder to see if anybody's watching you. Well, so here's here's one of the things, you know, exploration in life that is is risky and and um, ridiculous and not as intelligent as as what it could or should be happens at some points in childhood and certainly in adolescence. I mean, during adolescence, adolescent development is about that wavy road between childhood and adulthood and childhood and adulthood. You're trying to figure out who you are. So you're navigating the world and exploring your identity and what your comfort zone is. Yeah, you take some risks. They're not very calculated. But, I mean, to take a risk, uh, don't you have to go into your creative side because that's where adventure is born? And when I am in my creative side, living in my world of adventure, I, I tend not to worry as much about what other people think or what they say. Yeah, I think that's accurate. I mean, you ever gone into your creative side and people go, Deb, you're crazy for doing this. Uh-huh. Yep, I'm familiar with that. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyone who's creative is familiar with that, too. People who don't understand the creativeness of the human mind 
see anybody who is willing to risk as crazy. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm going to develop a sign. I'm going to hang around my neck at some point that says, uh, I'm crazy and I know it. <laughs> and I enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, enjoy it. You know. I, I, enjoy, I enjoy the freedom of accepting adventure as a pathway forward. But it, you know, I do too, and 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 it it um, um it, you know, it's funny because sometimes I envy the people who are very staid, you know, and they don't they don't color outside the lines, and they just are right there. There's a lot of safety or an illusion of safety there, and then I I mean, if I really envied that, I would practice that. I would try to be that, but I'm not that. And so I love the creativity of life and the adventure of life and the exploration of things in this life and inspiring others to explore their heart's desire. I mean, for one thing, as a lifelong entrepreneur, that's what entrepreneurship is all about. Explore that dream that you've got in your mind that's in your heart. It's this passion and it's it's burning a hole in your tummy. You know, you just, you've got to do it. You've got to pursue this. <clears throat> I, I've done that my whole life. Do you, do you think that becoming uh, an entrepreneur, one who lives with the freedom to explore, that's what an entrepreneur is to me. Mm, yeah. Someone who lives with the freedom to explore. And do you think that when you're there, it's, and a lot of what you struggle with is not the fear, it's being able to control the fear. Because isn't fear a natural part of life? As she thinks deeply about the question. <laughs> As you're watching my face. As I'm rolling my eyes around. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I guess fear fear is a natural part of life because it certainly is a conversation that we're having with ourselves, right? And, and but, oh, by the way, did I send you that song by that little boy who sings... Every little thing is going to be all right. No, you never said it to me. You did it in your mind. (laughs) I'm going to send it to you right after the show. There's a little four-year-old boy, and I'm telling you, I play this song every day. He sings it a cappella, and he's sitting on the couch with his mommy, and he's got a beautiful, raspy little voice, and he sings it, and he kind of wiggles his head, and at the very end, he says, and every little thing is going to be all right. And you can see he's just ready to dive into her arms as she's sitting next to him. Well, some musicians came, and they and they added the whole encore and background music, and it is spectacular. And I have sent this and posted it on my social media repeatedly because the whole song the whole song is every little thing is going to be all right. And and when we get fearful, that is a little song that we need to sing to ourselves. When we get depressed, oh my gosh. All the people who are who are concerned and worried and depressed and anxious. Mm. My my song that I go to so many times when I I do is Louis Armstrong. It's what a, a wonderful, wonderful world. Wonderful life. Yeah. Wonderful I, world. What a wonderful, yeah, wonderful world. world. That's the song that we've used for 15 years to close starving ground. Every, the last day, the last song that people hear is, is that song. What a wonderful world. Yeah. Because it is a wonderful world. It is a wonderful world. But what is it? Go ahead. Do you think it's possible for a human to live without fear? 
I think that there I think that there are children who come into the world and they are diagnosed with something that is very different and we call it abnormal. I would like to say that it's it's a variation on what the norm is. I don't like talking about about things in terms of disabled or abnormal or even challenged. There there are children who come into the world and they seem fearless. And, you know, kids with Down syndrome, kids with um, cerebral palsy. You know, there's a whole basket full of diagnoses where children come in and, and they seem to have no fear. And, you know, the smiles are just irresistible. Their spirit is immutable. And, and I think that they arrive to give us that contrast. You know, sometimes living in the contrast ourselves or seeing someone who's living in the contrast of where we're at is so enlightening because it gives us an opportunity to say, oh, well, I'm here in the land of fear. I really want to get to the land of fearless and courageous and happy. Okay, we can't snap your fingers and have it happen. What's the journey that you take? And that journey actually is really beautiful. There are going to be people along the way that you're going to meet that are going to introduce you to some things that are fabulous and gorgeous and glorious. Open yourself to it and just go. Just do it. Allow it. But can fear be positive until we we get to, until we're taught to turn it into fright to be frightened? You're such a wordsmith. So there's a qualitative difference between fear and frightened? Mm-hmm. I, I believe there is. I think fear, until we're, we're taught to uh, react to it, is a, fear be, is a natural part of life that teaches us to slow down and pay attention. Mm. But when fear then turns to that which frightens us, it causes us to want to walk away from it. Do I get another tick mark for that? <laughs> so I'm going to tell you a funny story. The house that I grew in, grew up in, this old house had this wonderful, magnificent staircase up to the second floor. You walked up a few steps. There was a little landing. You walked up a bunch of steps. There was another landing. And then there was a, like a, a two-and-a-half-story high ceiling. And it was an echo chamber that was delightful. I used to go in there and sing, and sometimes I'd scream, and other times I'd laugh. Well, in our in our family, it was a nightly ritual that you got tucked into bed. So you came downstairs in your pajamas and your robe and your slippers, and you said goodnight to everybody, and either mom or dad took you up to bed and tucked you in. So my mom was downstairs, and she said, okay, it's time for bed. And I don't know where I don't know where everybody else is, but it's time for you to go to bed. So I walked up the steps, and I was a little bit in fear. <laughs> Dark up there. It was a long walk. And I got to the top of the stairs, and my dad and my brother were on all fours at the top of the stairs in the dark. <laughs> and they growled like bears. And I let out a bloody scream because I was fearful. I was frightened. So that fear turned into being frightened. What do you think of that? Well, and I, I think fear is natural. Because I was afraid I of the think dark. If we didn't have any fear, we'd be reckless. 
Well, what, but why was fear a good thing? I mean, I was afraid of the boogeyman at night. I was afraid somebody was hiding under my bed. A monster was under the bed. Uh, you know, a monster was in the closet. Who was the monster? Why is that? Why is that part of my reality? Because we're taught as we teach children to turn fear into frightened. Why? Because most people don't see a difference between fear and being frightened. What was the advantage of my being afraid that there was somebody under the bed? Who talked to you there was someone under the bed? I don't know. I just had that idea. <laughs> you had to get it from somewhere. Maybe it was when I saw somebody vacuuming under the bed. I thought there must be someone under there. Yeah, they're living under there, so they're cleaning up their mess under my bed. Oh, God. <laughs> That's Did you ever get down and look under your bed? <clears throat> You know what? I don't know if I did. I don't have a recollection. You were probably of that. frightened to do that. I was probably frightened to do it. It's right. Because the hand would reach out and grab you and pull it <laughs> into the netherworld. I mean, really, what purpose does fear serve? I mean, okay, if fear fear of falling off the ledge keeps you from walking to the edge of it and being foolish, right? If you're going to climb the mountains, your fear of not being able to breathe and make it up there motivates you to get into exquisite shape so that you can do the trek. But but what is what is this fear of – what's the fear of one another? I mean, because one of the biggest fears people have – I mean, you counsel people. A lot of times in a relationship, people in a, in a love affair are a, a feared <laughs> of one another. Well, that's not good. Why would you be afraid of your partner? But I remember being young and being afraid of my partner. I remember being kind of afraid of my husband. Like, I didn't want him to know certain things, you know, like I spent too much money or. Well, in that scenario that you're talking about, the fear that you're talking about there is is tied to abandonment. And that. You know, this is something I believe for years. I, I, I seldom ever talk about this with anyone. Okay. Because they sit there and go, huh? Aww. But I believe that all emotions are positive until we connect a, a, a fear to it. It's the, it's the connection of the fear to something that is possible that makes us afraid. And once once we connect the afraid to the fear, it changes how we look at things. But you know what? On a positive side, fear slows me down. Yeah, it sure does. Fear makes me breathe. Fear makes me examine before I jump. And yet, if, if I listen to everything that I've been programmed with, then it says to me I should be afraid. Mm-hmm. And when fear turns to fright, it limits it, it limits our creative sight. And, and in that process, it puts me in conflict with myself. Mm. Pretty heavy, huh? Yeah. So when you're in conflict, I'll another tick mark. Just a second. <laughs> <laughs> What's your score so far, Mr. Flint? 
I'm up to four. I gave myself one that you didn't even know about. Oh, well, I'm on five. In your mind, you probably are. <laughs> right. All right, so what do you do when you're in conflict with yourself? I pause. Yeah, me too. Because that's one thing that uh, most people don't do, is that when they're in conflict with their self, they try to race through it rather than they pause to understand it. Because all conflict has a connection to some choice. Mm-hmm. And the connection to that choice then makes us examine where where the where the hostage or the freedom comes from. You ever met someone who was held hostage to their fear? Oh my gosh. Yes. I mean, haven't we been living this for the last year? It's terrible. And I, I know people who, since last March, have virtually never been outside their house. Yeah. When I was at the beach this morning, <clears throat> I was down there for several hours. And I went to a couple different beaches. And um, I see this, this older couple. I mean, there's nobody around. You know, there's a fisherman who's like 100 feet away. It's another one about 50 feet away. We're in the open air, warm sun. The places that this virus does not live. It doesn't like the sunshine. It doesn't. It doesn't do well there. It dissipates. It dissipates. And there's this couple. I don't know. They're 70s or 80s. And they they're obviously together. And they've got on these giant masks. And they're at the water's edge, and they're looking. And I looked at them, and I thought, I just wanted to say to them, why? Why do you have on a mask? You're outside. And don't the two of you live together? Do you live inside the house with a mask on? What are you doing? And then I thought, you know what? Here's why they're doing it. They're they're frightened. They're living in fear. Well, and that's one of the things that, that has really uh, challenged me about our our world today and our country today and the and people. Me too. We have taken something that we should be concerned about. And fear in its positive form creates concern. Okay? Right, yes. But we've taken something that we've turned from something we should be concerned about to something that we're frightened about. And when, I'm, when my fear generates concern, then what happens is I, I look for I look for the resolution. I, I look for the pathway forward. But when fear creates, fear, <clears throat> I look for ways to get away from it. I think so much of conflict is how we understand fear. What do you do when you have clients who are in conflict, like if it's a couple? I tell them, go figure it out on your own. You do not. No. But I try, I try to help them to understand that there are things in life that you need to slow down because of the emotion of fear that they're, is bringing to you. But you need to see that fear as a concern that's saying, address me. But if 
they're looking at fear because they're frightened of what might happen. And all of a sudden, you know, here I am, I'm trying to bring understanding of what I'm getting is resistance. Mm-hmm. Mm. And how many times in working with people do you have to break down the wall, the, the wall of resistance before you can step inside to be able to help them? You ever walk away from a client because you couldn't get past the wall of resistance? <clears throat> I have. I'm I'm sitting here and I'm thinking about that and I'm thinking about the ways in which people initially open up because they're in trouble, you know, and they and they they want a pathway, they want the exposure, they want the guidance, they want the the education, they want the the formula, you know, they want the consultation, and then in the midst of that, they you know they they feel the shift. And the shift either really feels good and they don't think that they're entitled to it or they anticipate the shift and think it's going to be too much work or it's going to be something along the lines of that. And then the resistance pops up. Yeah, resistance, resistance to what's good is, is bewildering because there's a, there's a trust factor that has to be in place in order for people to allow themselves to experience something. And when trust isn't there and fear is there, then people really get into a mess. You think so many times, and this is something I've watched over the years, and this is why people, you know, when they come to me and they want to work with me, I tell them it's a year contract. Mm-hmm. And they go, that's a long time. I go, no, it's not. No, it's not. I mean, I've got one couple right now that, that I've been with for seven years. And we're still not done because we keep peeling back the onion. But let me go back to this. Do, do you find that a lot of times when people come to you and I are people who live in our world? They come looking for an answer, not a resolution. Explain what you describe as the difference between those two. The, the answer is they come looking for an answer, which is I want you to tell me what in our world today, I want you to tell me what pill I need to take. Hmm. Rather than coming saying, I don't want to continue this way, I want to get beyond anything requires resolution. And resolution is about understanding, Mm -hmm. learning, Mm -hmm. and implementing it so I'm not the same person as I was. I, w- I have to say that that people probably because I talk so much on the front end, people um, who might have come for me to give them an answer pretty quickly determine that that's not what's going to happen here. So do you, have you ever had anyone walk away from walk away from you because they thought this this woman's not going to give me the answer I'm looking for? Every now and again. You ever started a process or a journey with with people? And um, all of a sudden, somewhere in there, you you realize they're not hearing anything I'm saying. Yes, I had I had a gentleman who was really lovely, and he was an executive. He was a big man. He didn't look like a fat man, but he was he was he was pretty he was pretty heavy, 
muscular but heavy and a terrible diabetic. And I educated him about nutrition and about his mind and the way that his mind had influence over his body and the things that we know that we can do to pull people back off of. Now, I don't do it. You know, I'm not an MD, but I always work with the prescribing physicians and we pull people back off of, titrate them back off their medications safely as I'm doing what I'm doing and documenting and sharing with the physician. And then, you know, we get people to be medication free. It's beautiful. <laughs> this guy was eating like a maniac and, and a couple of times came in and mistakenly pulled out of his pocket you know, a baggie full of banana chips. And I said, what are you doing? Do you have any idea how much sugar you're getting in there? Yeah, but it's natural. Well, sugar is actually natural, too. So, yeah. Do you think it's possible today? Yeah. That, that pharmaceutical influence in our society today, that many of those in the medical world have turned to fixing the problem through fear rather than educating how to resolve through understanding. Oh, that's not just today. I mean, that's been my entire life. This has been going on for a very long time. This has been going on for decades and decades. Yes. I mean, one of the reasons I didn't go to medical school was when I was in my process of trying to decide on my next steps when I was in college, I looked at the curriculums that I'd be studying in if I went if I went down a PhD process or I went down a, an MD process. I did not want to learn diagnostic techniques the way that they were being taught. I didn't really want to learn pharmacology and I didn't want to learn surgical procedures. And those were integral. And I wasn't going to learn nutrition. And I was already a nutritionist, you know. So I, I, yeah, and, and physicians are taught the marketing of that, too. When your patients come in here, they want to see their prescription pad. They want to leave with a prescription. Give them a prescription. Do you think you and I do surgery and we just don't use instruments? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you bet. In a big way. I'm trying to do psychic surgery all the time. Heart surgery. Brain thinking surgery. You ever get people who ask you, they, they, they're talking, all of a sudden they just look at you and go, are you analyzing me? <laughs> all the time. I use that all the time, but I, I tell people, yeah, yeah. you'll be in my next book. <laughs> the, the place where it happens, it's the most ridiculous and, and um, entertaining is when I get introduced to somebody in a social setting and somebody will walk up, you know, we'll be having a nice conversation and somebody will walk up and, and go, you know what she does, right? <laughs> and the person will go, oh, no, you know, all that stuff. I was just saying, no, I didn't mean it. And that stuff about my mother, I don't eat. And it's like, why don't you just relax? <laughs> you know, I'm not on the clock. I think the other one that I enjoy, that I enjoy is people who, you know, they're talking. They're just talking to you, and they all of a sudden they look at you and they go, "I think I should. I should probably shut up now." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, people. Well, people need a place to talk. We all need a place to talk. We need a place to to bring our heart, to bring our concerns, to bring our intuitive questions, and and to have it be safe. 
And what I want to do in my life and in my work is I want to be a safe so that people have that opportunity. And then I keep myself clean enough and in touch enough that I am I, I can be an open, helpful channel. You think it's ever challenging to make people feel safe in our presence when they're not used to having a safe zone in their life? Oh, my gosh, yes. You know, I, I hear this all the time, and I, I'm sure you get it, too, just because of the, the essence of your personality. Uh, I'll have people tell me, you know, I don't know why I'm telling you all this, but for some reason I trust you. Yeah, I do get that all the time. I like that. I love yeah. that. As a matter of fact, I don't just like that. I love that. That is that is the most that's the most affirming statement that anybody can make with me. That's okay. Yeah. I mean, because sometimes, and I, I think for a lot of people that are in this world of coaching today or this world of seeking to help people, that I think one of the biggest things they struggle with is confidentiality. Well, <clears throat> my message is beware of those who are coaches. I don't know what their credentials are. And if you went through some other individual's program and you don't know anything about it, then beware. Because that kind of fraudulent stuff is going on all over the place. And then those are the same people who get on a platform and talk about how um, academic training and academic degrees, they mean nothing. Well, yeah, actually they do. They mean a whole lot. It means to me that I'm a philosophical nut. (laughs) No. Something like that. But that's just my understanding. I have two minutes and then I have to I have to run. So here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna wrap it up with this. <coughs> Excuse me. I'd like to introduce our audience to the idea that you can go to Richard at richardflint.com. You can send him an email, you can go to his his website, which is richardflint.com, and you can find the learning center, which is awesome. You can find out about his seminars and the work that he does, and sign up for the morning minute, which is glorious and really lovely. And on my side of the formula, you can go to drdubcarlin.com and travel from there over to buildthestrength.com, buildthestrengthwithinactually.com. And you can look at our books and our content and our recordings and our audio and video. And God bless you for being here today. Right, Richard? Yeah, we are pretty awesome, aren't we? I think we're lovely. And people say, well, that's an ego statement. No, it's a confidence statement. There you go. So on that note, toodaloo. We'll be in touch again soon, and we're going to end the episode. Hang with me. Bye-bye.